welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock. Pronouns, she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow. Pronouns, she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. episode one lessons wow here we are Kara. first and foremost i want to ask you how's your money uh my money's been better <laughs> um the, the end of the year is always a tight time for me as a, an adult education teacher i don't get paid over the holidays um and i've started using a new budgeting app and it's not kind to me but it's okay, you know, and it's it's better than it might be otherwise with my side hustle of copy editing and, of course, the support of our listeners. And, like, don't get me wrong, listeners, it's all good. Um, but my money has been has been better at points, Steph. How about you? <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. The holidays is always a bad time for money in general. Uh, but I'm also on mat leave, right? I'm on EI. So, <laughs> so I think both of our, our money's has been better. Well, and you've been spending a lot of your money on a new hobby, which I wanted to ask you about, because Ooh. for those of you who aren't aware, Steph has taken up a hobby and she has a new Instagram account that you can go follow. It's called at Gemini Binding. Um, and what are you doing, Steph? I, as a mother, have become this 19th century woods woman where I bind my own books. I take perfectly good books, rip the covers off and make my own covers because I believe that I'm better at it. <laughs> you are. Then... <laughs> They're beautiful. And you just started doing it. It's it's honestly somewhat annoying how good you are already. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. No, I'm practicing. I'm getting better. I'm learning. Hey, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that you and I, we, we've jumped in 100% full force. And that's just how I do things in my life. So when I'm like, I'm going to take on a new hobby, I just go all in. So that's what I've been doing for the last two months. I've just been binding, rebinding. The whole point is to print off my favorite fan fictions from AO3 and have a physical copy in my hand that I can hold onto. That's the whole point of it. So I'm getting better and better until I can get to my top five. So come join me on Instagram, see how I'm doing. Um, and if you have any suggestions of books that you want to see rebound, just let me know. Maybe you'll get a little gifty. I know a gifty's coming Cara's way eventually. The best rebound <laughs> you'll ever have. Ooh, that should have been my Instagram name. God damn it. <laughs> a rebound girl. Rebound girl. Damn it. Anyway, I mean, it's not too late. I can still change it. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, anyway, so that's our holiday, right? So we, we had a break. We took on some new stuff. We worried about our monies. And now... We took on the whole Buffy fandom, which hasn't dropped at the time we're recording this, but will have dropped by the time you're listening to this. So yeah. if we've been canceled at that point, <laughs> we're, we're sorry. It's, we're in this for us, Kara. We're in this for <laughs> you and I. We never joined to make the fandom happy. 
<laughs> and clearly we're not um no but it, it no it's been good you know good times on our discord i was doing a couple of streams while i was off work for the holidays uh people can go to propsygirls.ca slash streams to check out the vods of that finished playing vampire and that was a lot of fun yeah um yeah and this is it this is season seven uh you know we'll talk about what the future might hold uh in a bit i know we keep teasing people but it's happening our third anniversary is coming up in March, and do not worry. Uh, you will find out soon enough what's going on post-season seven. But for now, that is what we're focusing on, is the last season of Buffy. We are here. This episode. This was such a good premiere for the season, don't you think? I agree. I remember messaging you while I was watching it, and you told me just that, and I'm just like, I'm also really enjoying it. And I know we were... You know, we were a little nervous going into season seven after season six was such a downer and I never seem to have positive memories of season seven. I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I, I Very cautiously. <laughs> uh, we've been burned before, Kara. <laughs> but what it felt like was like everybody took like half a year, but like really it felt like years went by between the last of us we watched and this one and everyone cleansed themselves and... It's almost like everyone came back with like this need to be happier. Well, it feels like a return to form, right? You and I were messaging back and forth about how this feels like the early days of Buffy because it's the whole back to school vibe, right? And I, I can sense it. I can sense that the writers and the producers probably felt the same. They probably wanted to get back to something more fun, especially... You know, obviously, you and I know what this season has in store. We're not going to talk about that. But even from what little we see in this episode, something big is coming for the Scoobies. And it's nice that at least we're starting off from a place of relative lightness. And yeah, like Buffy seems to be a better place. Quite honestly, I didn't have a problem with Xander in this episode. <laughs> Nor did I. Dare I say I liked Xander in this episode? Oof. Everybody was more optimistic. Even Willow was more peaceful. Giles is actually helping again, not being aloof. <laughs> um, it does, like, like you said, like, you know, a back to basics. And they say it in the episode too, right? Back to the beginning. Maybe the writers all got together and said, what's the theme of this season? Let's go back to the beginning because that's why I liked it. I'm like, I feel like... It's calling back to like season three and yeah. four. I will say also this episode introduces two very important characters. I'm sure you know one that I'm talking about and we'll get to them. There's another one, which I'm sure you're like, what? <laughs> but I'll point it out as we go. But yeah, as far as season premieres goes, this is a good one. I like to see a happy Buffy. We're not used to seeing Buffy happy in a season premiere. So it does kind of bode well for the season, at least at this point, where I'm just like, okay, okay, season seven. All right, I see you, you know? Are we doing alternative episode titles this season? I am. I picked one for this episode. I would call this episode Roots. <laughs> um, because there is a lot of root imagery if you notice in this episode, uh, roots represent the birth in the beginning. And we already talked about how the beginning might be a theme overall here. Uh, Will speaks a lot about roots in this episode and how the earth is all connected. Uh, that vampire gets caught on a root, <laughs> as we're about to see. And also, lest we forget, Spike's roots are showing <laughs> from um, his haircut, which I have a lot to say about <laughs> later. So, um, I, I was thinking I could go, you know, very predictable and say something like power. 
We have, we'll have lots to say about that. Oh. Or if I want to be a bit more glib, I might say mom hair. Mom roots, you might say. Cara, this is the last season premiere of Buffy that we're ever going to do. Okay, I'm, everybody just, just FYI for the next 22 episodes. I'm a very, like, we're in the here and now kind of person. <laughs> like, you would have hated me in grade 12 in my last year of university, my last, like, oh, no. month of being in China. Like, I'm just a very, like, we got to live in it now because it is all, it's almost over. Nothing's forever, you know? So, so that's going to be me all season. So, <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Yes. I was waiting for you to say those words. <laughs> I would never leave you hanging. We open in Istanbul and a girl, an Istanbulian, <laughs> you might say, is running through the alleyways away from two men in long cloaks and hoods. She ends up climbing onto this roof at one point, but one of them's up there already. He knew that he was, she was going to do that. And he pushes her off. And I thought that was going to be the end of her. But no. It was not enough for her to just fall off the roof. Nobody nobody takes fall damage in this show. I would say, yeah, like, uh, we don't know what's up with this girl. But later, we watch the high school students also fall through things. And I'm like, man, everyone has Xander-level ability of healing, you know, because Xander also never gets hurt. We're getting off track. This girl gets stabbed to death, it looks like. It looks like they pull out this giant dagger and just and just hack away. But we don't get to see it. We cut to a vampire coming out of the ground in Sunnydale, one of the cemeteries. I'm, let's just say cemetery number nine. Buffy is kneeling next to him and she's saying, it's about power. Who's got it? Who knows how to use it? So who's got the power, Don? And this is our first little glimpse of Buffy. She's looking incredible. Thank you. That was my first note as well. Her hair. If my hair looked that good while slaying, oh my gosh. Oh, so good. Dawn also looks really good. Dawn actually, her whole look reminds me of Buffy, like season five slaying Buffy, you know? Yes. And I, I have thoughts about Dawn's look later on in the episode. Don't worry. Love it <laughs> so far. Everything's great so far. So Dawn is standing facing the vampire as it's coming out and Buffy throws Dawn a stake and Dawn says, well, I've got the stake. And Buffy says, the stake is not the power. Dawn says, but but he's new. He doesn't know his strength. He might not know all those fancy martial arts skills that they inevitably seem to pick up. I love that line. I love the self-awareness of the script, right? Yes. Buffy says, who's got the power? Dawn says, he does. Buffy says, never forget it. Doesn't matter how well prepped you are or how well armed you are. You're a little girl. Dawn says, woman. Buffy's like, little woman. And Dawn's like, I'm taller than you. And Buffy says, he's a vampire. Demon, preternaturally strong, skilled with powers no human could possibly ever. But then the vampire interrupts her. He's like, um, excuse me, I, th I think I'm stuck. <laughs> and he's like, my foot's caught on a root or something. I, I don't even know how I got down there. If you girls could just give me a hand. And Buffy's like rolling her eyes. <laughs> and John's like, so he's got the power. Buffy says, zip it. And she literally lifts the vampire out with her arm. <laughs> it's very impressive. Oh, it's, it's awesome. And he's and he's just like, whoa. And then he's like, really appreciate it. It's just, it's just so dark. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then he brushes himself off and he's like, thanks. That was a help. Unfortunately, it was the last. And then Buffy cho chokes him around the neck. And he's like, thing you'll ever do. <laughs> so Buffy says, says, I'm the slayer. You don't want to get into it with me. You want blood? You can have hers. And the vampire stalks toward Dawn. And Buffy starts narrating. She's like, power. He's got it. He's going to use it. You don't have it. So, But that's when Dawn tucks and rolls. And she trips the vampire while she does it. So he falls down. And Buffy's just like, so use that. Perfect. <laughs> then Dawn stakes the vampire. 
but she misses the heart. So he throws her away. Um, she tries to stake him again, but he he manages to get a hold on her. And he starts to bite her and she calls for Buffy, but Buffy is behind him. She throws him off and she does her first flippy do of the season. I love to see one so early on. Woo-hoo. Right? <laughs> Look, not, this 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 episode's just racking up points. So Buffy grabs a sword after they fight for a bit and beheads him. An axe. Oh, it's an axe. Okay. And and Dawn is bleeding from the neck and Buffy says, it's real. That's the only lesson, Dawn. It's always real. And Dawn says, I had a plan the whole time. I planned to get killed, come back as a vampire, and then kill you. <laughs> and Buffy says, you wanted to be trained. And Dawn starts to get defensive. And Buffy says, you did pretty well. So I know or earlier, Cara, you and I had said that uh, we actually liked Xander in this episode. And he didn't really do anything wrong for me in this episode. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to slander him in some way. So here it is. <laughs> Here's Dawn. Okay, everyone take a look. This is Dawn Summers. She used to be the key, but now she's just a regular ass person. And she's asking Buffy, like the chosen assassin of demons, to train her so that she can help fight evil in this very evil town. What the hell have you been doing for six years, Xander? This is inexcusable for you not to have been asking Buffy to help you learn how to fight this whole time. There. (laughs) Don says, I did, because the whole rolling thing, I was I was actually using his strength. It is very Tai Chi. Plus, I nearly got the heart. Don's been taking lessons from Angel, too. <gasps> the first mention of Angel <laughs> in this season. Um, actually, I'm really glad that you brought Angel up just now, because in a second, Buffy says she missed the heart um, her first time out, too. And I was like, Angel was there for that, too. Everything's just angel-coded, isn't it? So <laughs> she tells Dawn next time she sees a vampire to run away. She And then she says she wishes vampires were all they had to worry about. Vampires, demons, they're nothing compared to what's coming. Dawn's like, I know, I can't believe it's back. And Buffy says, believe me, I thought it was a long past. I guess you never are. Just a few more days until it starts. And then we'll never know what's coming next. Cut to the official opening on the very ground that it first stood upon of brand new state-of-the-art Sunnydale. Hi. It's a a ribbon-cutting ceremony with press. Is it a different school that they're using for the outside? I honestly wasn't paying attention. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a different school. It's more modern-looking. Uh, not as interesting I as the other school. school they used. Uh, they should have called it Berryman High. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone will come and tell us which school. They'll be like, "I went to that school," and we'll be like, "Awesome! Send pictures, and we'll post them." It'll be it'll be a whole thing. Did you fall into the basement with zombies? <laughs> yeah. I hope you didn't go to that school. Jesus. <laughs> so, Giles is on a horse because suddenly we're in Outlander. How many times did you pause and rewind this part of the episode, Steph? At least three times. I was like, am I seeing this right? A horsey? A horsey with Giles on it? (laughs) Usually we're watching Buffy slaughter horsies. So they're in Westbury, England. Did you go there? Cara, you lived there. Did you ever go to Westbury? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you did, you would have seen Giles on a horse. I was nowhere near there. I don't know anything about England. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, it's probably next door to wherever you were. No, it's in it's in the southwest of England. And I was in kind of like the east of England. So uh, quite the trek, relatively speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so he's wearing a long trench coat and he approaches Willow, who's also wearing a jacket. I was like, OK, so it's like September 1st in Westbury, England. Is it cold <laughs> or are we just continuing our our track of like it's cold in california it's cold in england too during the summer i don't know no in- england in general except at the height of summer england in general has a cooler climate so i think that's a reasonable reasonable outfit all right i will accept it having never been there so 
Willow's making a plant grow, right? She's using her magics with a K. She looks like herself again, I will add. Last time we saw her, she was just sobbing her face off in the bluffs. So Giles says that doesn't look that doesn't belong there. Willow agrees with him. Giles identifies the flower and Willow asks if there's anything he doesn't know everything about. And Giles says synchronized sw- swimming, a complete mystery to me. And fun fact, I really enjoy synchronized swimming during the Olympics. Nice. It's beautiful to watch. So he sits next to her and asks Willow where the flower came from. And she says, Paraguay, she brought it through the earth. She says, it's all connected. The root system, the molecules, the energy, everything's connected. And Giles says, she sounds like Miss Hartness. And Willow says, she taught me a lot. Giles says, why aren't you in your lesson? And Willow apologizes. She says, the coven is afraid of her. They're the most amazing women she's ever met. But there's this look that they get when she's going, like like she's going to turn them into bangers and mash. And Giles says, says, they're cautious. I trust you understand that. And Willow says, I don't have that much power, I don't think. And Giles says, everything is connected. You're connected to a great power, whether you feel it or not. Willow says, you should just take it from me. And Giles says, you know, we can't. This isn't a hobby or an addiction. It's inside you now, the magic. You're responsible for it. Willow's like, will they always be afraid of me? Giles says, maybe. Can you handle it? Willow says, I deserve a lot worse. Ooh, I killed people, Giles. When you brought me here, I thought it was to kill me or to lock me in some mystical dungeon for all eternity or with the torture. Instead, you all dumbled or on me. I'm learning from magic all about energy and Gaia and root systems. See, that's so many mentions of roots already, Cars. Three to four mentions of roots. Giles asks her if she wants to be punished. Willow says, I want to be Willow. Giles says, you you are. In the end, we all are who we are, no matter how much we may appear to change. So Willow has obviously been sent to Westbury, England to study her magics with a coven of powerful, wonderful women who are still afraid of her. Not prison, not rat prison, as you and I sentenced her to. She's not <clears throat> rat rehab. Rat, sorry, rat rehabilitation. Uh, we, I forgot we rebranded. She's obviously not following our our rules, Cara. What do you feel about this Willow being in Westbury, England? Well, we'll get a little bit more later in the episode. But at this point, you know, <laughs> they've really let Willow off the hook here. I, I understand that, again, I should be advocating for prison abolition and restorative justice and, and rehabilitation just like this. But given this show's track record, the way that basically if you're not in the Scoobies, they're just going to kill you. But if you're in the Scoobies, right, it's fine. Just go to England. Go hang out with Giles. It's fine. I, I am on the fence, Steph. I will reserve judgment until we see more of Willow, right? Is she going to come back to Sunnydale? Is she rejoining the Scoobies? Uh, what's going on with her this season? At the moment, you know, it's great that she's expressing remorse, but the question for me is, will she do it again? Ooh, fair enough. Cut to Xander. He's wearing a suit. Uh, is he wearing the suit well? What do we think? It's one of those baggy suits. Like, d- d- yeah, it's still early two thousands. I, I like him. Ugh, like as if I as if we're talking about Xander's appearance. Ugh, maybe seven, season seven is not for us. Um, I prefer him in his like sweater jeans look. You know, like. A young t- guy in his 20s. professional. Yeah, now he's wearing a suit. Like, I don't think he's pulling off the suit, but like, it could just be the suit because suits back then were weird like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he's pulling up to Buffy's house in his car and inside Buffy's calling to Dawn. She's saying, you're going to be late. Uh, you have to eat something. And then Buffy's like, I made cereal. <laughs> and Xander's coming into the house and, you know, she's like, oh, why are you all spiffy? And, and he's like, ah, 
I've got a client meeting. And then he's following Buffy into the kitchen. He asks her, like, how do you make cereal? And she's like, oh, you put the box next to a bowl and the milk. (laughs) I really love that Buffy has made Dawn a breakfast. It's actually quite significant because it's not just that she made her breakfast, like guilty breakfast last time where she had like all these different things. She just has like a very standard breakfast. She's insisting that Dawn hurry up so she's not late for school. Like Buffy's on top of her shit. Last season, it, it was like a struggle. She couldn't even catch the garbage truck. Buffy you know? is slayer bossing. She is. She is. And it's so nice to see. She's got her shit together. And she like, you know, her and Xander are playing mom and dad. Like Xander's here to pick them up to bring them to school. Uh, I love it i love seeing how she's very clearly and confidently managing the household now you know she's got her shit together and you know what why not i'll give xander a compliment again (sighs) that he is appearing to also be succeeding in his career he's got his suit on because he's got a client meeting he's obviously uh, he's got like plans for this upcoming site that they're going to obviously we're the, the high school clearly he's like either the manager of construction there or the director even of the project the fact that he has all these things in less than three years staff yeah xander has gone from knowing nothing about carpentry and being hired onto odd jobs on a work site to being at manager level at this company. Wow. Like what a go-getter. <laughs> um, what I will say. What a white man, right? What like, a, well to be a cis straight white male in the early two thousands construction boom. I also have a thought about this later in the episode, so let's hold on to that thought. Let's jump back really quickly to season five, the replacement, when Xander got his promotion <laughs> and if we we recall, his superior said, you've shown up for three months straight. Like, as in, like, you probably came on time and you didn't piss off and, like, you weren't eaten by a monster or something. Do you want to be the boss around here? You'd be less sexist than most of the guys. Like, that's all it took. Nobody's filed a sexual harassment claim against you. Right? So... And hey, he's come a long way. Let's not take that from him. He's an important client meeting guy. He's clearly good at what he's doing. I'll give it to him. Well, when you think about it, Steph, by some measures of conventional success, he is the most successful Scooby. Everybody else is a college dropout, right? I don't know if Will is still in, still in college, which he's you know clearly deferred coming back at least at the start of the semester. Tara's dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Just too soon. Name and fact. Um, yeah, but like Anya's not technically part of the Scoobies anymore. We don't know what's going on with her because the magic box got destroyed, right? Giles has oh, lost true. part of his livelihood as a result of that. Buffy's, as far as we know, still working at the Double Meat Palace, just trying to make ends meet. Xander is the Scooby who has held down a job the longest and advanced the furthest in his career and is actually adulting the most. And I, I'm not seriously saying he is the most successful Scooby. But again, if if this is the one episode this season that we're praising Xander, um, you know, good for him to, to well, go from being the guy who was so nervous that he wasn't going to college and didn't know what to do with his life to having found a niche that he is good at and has been able to, uh, you know, make a career out of. Like, good job, Xander. And you know what? <laughs> Look, this, as we said, this will be the episode where we do it because I'm sure something will piss us off not too far off from now. He he did a a great job of fucking up his own life last season. Uh, here he is being responsible and dependable. 
right? Driving Buffy and Dawn to school, being in charge of two construction crews on site, being able to leave that site and like help Buffy when she needs him. Like, hey, we slander Xander all we want here, but like in this episode, in this particular time in his life, he is succeeding. And that's a good, it is nice to see. So Buffy says her sister can't go, sorry, her sister is about to go to the same high school that tried to kill me, she says, for three years. I can't change districts. I can't afford the private school. And I can't begin to prepare for what could possibly come out either. So peachy, she says, with a side of keen. But Xander has brought blueprints. He's brought the layout of the new school. Uh, And Dawn comes down and Buffy says, go talk with your mouth full. (laughs) So Xander rolls the blueprints out on the dining room table. And he says, uh, there are still crews on site finishing up some areas of the campus. But there are no pentagrams, no secret passageways. Everything's up to code and safe as houses. And Buffy asks if there's anything creepy, strange, or from beyond. And Don's like, you're paranoid. Is she, Don? Have you seen what goes on in this city? I know. Xander says, I managed to scare up the plan for the old high school. And he holds both of the plans up on top of each other against a window. So you can kind of see how they line up. Uh, and he confirms that where the Hellmouth used to be under the library, uh, now there's the principal's office directly above the Hellmouth. So Don says, does this mean the principal is evil? And and Buffy says, or he's in a boatload of danger. And Xander reminds all of us that the last two principals of Sunnydale High, Principal Flutie and Principal Snyder, both of them were eaten. <laughs> Who would even apply to that job? And Buffy says, we'll see. And then she pulls a gift box out. Um, she's like, I almost forgot. It's a back to school gift. And Dawn, big smile, right? Because Dawn is a teenage girl. She loves gifts. She's like, it's a weapon, isn't it? And Buffy says, yes, it is. But we don't get to see what's in the box yet. It'll be revealed later in the episode. Instead, what happens? Xander is bringing them to school, right? So he drops them off in the front. He says he's going to be on site all day. So he's going to be there as well. And Buffy says she's going to look around. So she her and Dawn head into school. And Buffy is saying, remember, if you see anything, that's strange or dead because she sees a bad girl walk by her Kara. And you know how I know this is a bad girl because she's dressed like Sheila from season two, episode three schoolheart. Oh, Sheila. For a second there, I thought it was her. I was like, wait, you can't be out in the sunlight. We never heard from her again. Did we? No. Buffy says, and stay away from hyena people or any lizardy type athletes. Now I was like lizard athletes. What is she referring to? You know, like at least use somebody for like, you know, an example from a previous season that we all know. We never had lizard athletes. I think she means go fish. Oh, you're so right. But like there are go fish reference. Oh, there it is. But like, <laughs> that's what was confusing me because fish aren't lizards. <laughs> no, Buffy, this is Buffy true. But you have to remember, Buffy has been out of the education game for a while. She's probably mashing um, uh, Makita <laughs> in with the fish monsters of that season. So if you see anyone who's invisible, she says, and Dawn's like, I think it's safe to say I'm not going to see anybody who's invisible. So Buffy uh, suggests that Dawn drops out. <laughs> and Dawn's like, it's not fair to scare me on my first day of high school because it is so redundant. And Buffy says, this place is evil. So before we get to this next <gasps> bit... Is it Dawn's first day of high school? Like, she must be in grade 10, right? Grade 10 or 11? Her first day at the new high school. Okay, okay, okay. So we hear somebody say, it's tough to let them go, huh? And they turn around and, oh my God, it's the hottest man I've seen on this show in a while. He says his name is Robin Wood, the new principal. (laughs) 
Ooh. All right. Okay. Please describe Robin Wood for us. Tall, handsome, black man, suit. So if we wanted to compare Xander's suit and how he wore it to how this man, this man is wearing his suit. (laughs) This man is sexy. Like you can just tell he's ripped underneath that suit. He's got a little earring in his ear. Ooh, he's a bad boy in some way. Perfect teeth, perfect eyes. Oh my God. This guy is fucking dreamy. God bless this show. God bless this season for giving us a sexy principle. Honestly, honestly, what the show needed was a sexy principle. It's so brilliant right okay so steph we've now seen three principles of sunnydale high so i think i know the answer to this question but i have to ask kill fuck mary oh cara oh i mean we only literally just heard one word out of robin wood's mouth but like i i uh, okay uh, it's I, like do, can i kill and marry him sorry can i fuck and marry him no you gotta do one each <laughs> Okay, but married implies that you can fuck him all the time. So I will marry Robin Wood. I'll fuck Principal Flutie, and I will kill Principal Snyder. That's it. Interesting. I thought you'd go to fuck Wood. Marry Flutie? Kill Snyder and marry Flutie. Flutie seems like a solid husband. Okay, but like to see Robin Wood every day in my kitchen making me cereal. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Like, I'm not judging you. It's any answer you want is valid. Although I think we all agree we're killing Snyder. No offense, Armin Schein. This is, this is a good looking man. Okay. And like, I love when shows are just like, well, the guy's got to be hot, obviously. And that's what's happening here. And I just, I love it. So, um, Buffy introduces herself and Dawn and she's like, Oh, I was expecting you to be more aged. (laughs) And, Robin says, you seem a bit young to have a, have such a grown-up daughter. <laughs> and Buffy's like, uh, no, no, oh no, a sister. And then she starts laughing nervously. She's like, you don't think she's my, it, it's my hair. I have mom hair. <laughs> so is this Buffy is attracted to Robin Wood and therefore that's why she's like getting all nervous? No, I, th- I it's interesting because I think Buffy is too distracted with her worry for her sister to really take in the fact that robin is a sexy ass man like like she has eyes obviously anyone would see him and be like oh my god but i don't think this is why she's so nervous i think the fact that he pointed out that she might look older (laughs) that she could potentially have a teenage daughter that's how old she could potentially be when she's clearly younger than robin would i think that's what throws her off she's like oh my god i don't look like a high school kid i look older right can we also talk for a moment about don's sweater I feel like I've seen it before, or maybe I just like I've seen this picture a lot. I don't so know. So she's she yeah she's wearing uh, this lovely like blue and white argyle sweater, and I just I love it so much. Like it looks really good on her. She looks good in general for her first day of school. She's looking a little more grown up. Yeah, yeah, a little more sophisticated. I like it. I like this look on her. But I'm not kidding, Steph, when I say that I think that this argyle sweater is a core memory for me. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's what I said. Like, I feel like I've seen this before. Like, obviously, I've seen it before. But like, before, before. (laughs) Like, in hindsight, hindsight being 2020, of course, the amount that I loved this sweater when I first saw it, because I remember I watched season seven. This was the first season of Buffy that I watched as it was being broadcast. So I, I was in grade, I don't know, grade eight, grade nine at the time. 
I, I like I remember seeing this sweater in this episode for the first time. And quite honestly, Steph, maybe that was the first time I had an inkling that I might actually be a woman. And like, obviously, men can wear fitted Argyle sweaters, too. But I think there was a part of me deep down that was like, one day, I want to wear that sweater as nice as Don does. <laughs> and God damn it, you will. I don't actually have any Argyle uh, at all. Um, and I should probably fix that. And I want an Argyle sweater like that. <laughs> well, say no more, Cara. I, I'm picking up all the hints that you're dropping right now, and I will buy you an Argyle sweater. <laughs> I gotta check it. I could probably knit one now. I, I just yeah, finished I knitting say, my first sweater. <laughs> don't you? Don't you knit? <laughs> you can easily knit your own. It's not the same as owning ones. So as beautiful. as I want Dawn's. that one. <laughs> I feel you. You would rock that look. Dawn's rocking that look. She looks sophisticated and good. Everything's great so far in this episode. I am very satisfied. So Robin says, I've heard of you, Miss Summers. You graduated from the old high school. Am I right? And Buffy's like, how did you? And then Robin just cuts her off. He's like, I better get back to work. Really nice to meet you. Have fun. And he leaves. Buffy says, that was suspicious. And Dawn's like, you betcha. Bye. <laughs> and Buffy's like, Dawn. And Dawn's like, I know, I know. You never know what's coming. The steak is not the power. The serve man is a cookbook. I love you. Go away. And Buffy watches her walk away. So Cut to Buffy wandering the halls. Okay, she's just wandering the halls of this high school. She's turned into uh, Wesley Wyndham Price from season three. She's an unauthorized adult just wandering the, the halls. She sees a, a suspicious basketball bouncing around, but it belongs to a student. Then she follows that student around right past the basement doors. And Dawn's in her class, right? And the teacher is asking students to introduce themselves. Buffy goes to the bathroom. And she stares at her reflection. She's like, it's not mom hair. <laughs> and it's she not. finds it. It's, it's not Buffy. She finds a talisman thingy next to the sink. And suddenly in the mirror, there's a zombie behind her. And the zombie says, you can't protect her. You couldn't protect me. And Buffy just stares. And then another zombie comes out at Buffy from the side. It says, get out, get out, get out. And um, that must have been channeling Dawn's energy from the last two seasons. <laughs> anyway. Buffy's like spooked. So Dawn is in her class and she's saying, I love to dance. I like music. I'm very into Britney Spears early work before she sold out. Mostly her finger paint painting and macaroni art. Very underrated. So wait, oh, that, that joke has not aged well. Also, like, are they saying, is she suggesting that Britney Spears never had not sold out? Like, is she saying yes, that like she, that ugh, is the implication. And Britney. so now, now, of course, I think knowing what we know about that part of Britney's career and what she has become as a result and the fact that she's just now reclaiming her autonomy and agency and building a new career for herself, um, that like no shade on Dawn or the writers here, obviously, you know, you didn't know, but like, whew, yeah. That joke hits different in 2024. I know. I was very surprised to see a Britney Spears reference anyway. Favorite activities, says Dawn, is it uh, includes not having to do this ever again. That's when Buffy runs in. She's like, Dawn, <laughs> we have to go. It's not safe. And then she realizes that all the students are staring at her. The teacher's like, uh, can I help you? And she's just like, uh, uh, I just thought, Dawn, I thought you were uh, in danger of smoking. <laughs> I'll be around. And then she leaves. And Dawn says, I also have a sister. Um, I have thoughts, but we'll wait. Um, it's cut to singers at a coffee shop singing. And at first staff, when I was watching the episode, I thought that this was a guitar, like a music lesson in the high school. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's just the, a woman playing guitar next to a guy, right? And I'm like, oh, it's the music teacher showing this guy how to play guitar. 
Yeah. Um, but then we realize we're actually at one of Sunnydale's many coffee shops and Halfrick and Anya are there and they're watching. Oh, I love Halfrick. I love seeing Halfrick. And also I was watching a lot of different movies over the holidays and Halfrick was in Meet the Parents. She was a stewardess. Ali Rocha. <laughs> so Anya says, they're depressing. Oh, I want to do Halfrick's voice. Halfrick says... Who are they kidding with the happy, shiny crap? Anya says, six weeks tops, and she's calling on me for vengeance. And Halfrick says, sarcastically, Oh, you better run for cover. <laughs> and then Anya's like, oh, that was bitchy. And she's like, what do you mean? Oh, sweetie, you know exactly what it means. It's the talk of the order. They're calling you Miss Soft Serve. Tell me you don't know this. Listen, Anya, I know I've always been a little competitive with you. There's a little thing in the Crimean War. We laugh about it now. But the is that I've always looked up to you. You are the single most hardcore vengeance demon on the roster, and everybody knew it. Do I have to mention Mrs. Chalgosh? Anya says wistfully, good times. And then you lost your powers. It happens. Fell for the Sander guy. Anya says, it was a glitch. A summer thing. I am so back in the vengeance fold. No deaths. No viscerations. You're not goading women to, into anything inventive, and you're not delivering what it is. The waitress downtown wished her husband was a frog. You made him French. Again, another joke that does not age well. <laughs> yeah. Um, apologies to all of our French listeners out there. Anya says he's smelly and with the little mustache. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> Alfred says. De Hoffren, the lower beings, they're all feeling the heat. Something's rising, something older than the old ones. Everyone's tail is twitching. This is a bad time to be a good guy. Anya says, what is this? An intervention? Shouldn't all my demon friends be here? Sweetie, they are. <laughs> oh, all right, I, I just, thanks for letting me do that. I really channel Halfrick. I really love her. You are welcome on the podcast anytime. <laughs> so, so I like this little nod to, like, we don't get a lot of Anya this episode. This is it, right? right. Uh, but we're getting a nod to what she's been up to over this break. And clearly she's still doing a half-assed performance on her new job. She doesn't want to kill anybody. She doesn't want to hurt anybody too bad. She's been performing pretty... She's been poisoned by humanity. Yes. She has a conscience still of some sort. And also, Halfrek is referring to this bad omen. Something's rising, she's saying, right? So there, there's a little foreshadow from a demon saying, things are happening here in Sunnydale and below. Let's cut to Xander who's on site. Buffy runs up to him and he asks if the place passes inspection. And Buffy says, oh, it's great if you're a zombie ghost thing. And Xander's like, school's back in session, huh? Buffy says, seems like old times. Now, another nod to Xander being a good guy in this episode is that he believes her right away. Like the bar is on the floor. Yes. But like, Thank he you. believes her. I made the same note. I said Xander finally believing Buffy when she says something's going on at his construction site. Because you remember last year with the trio. <laughs> oh. and, and, you know, they were they were pranking Buffy for the lulls. And, you know, Xander was like, go home, Buffy. You're making me look bad. Yeah. But also historically on this show, None of the Scoobies has believed Buffy when she said, hey, you know, I had a weird dream about a puppet stalking me or I saw this last night, right? They've always been quick to be like, ha ha, silly Buffy, right? It's just that time of the month. like." <laughs> and so it only took seven seasons, but the show is finally believing Buffy the first time she says something is up. It's like, is this growth? <laughs> it's the butterfly beam. I'm going to put that on. Instagram. 
this growth? Um, so Xander asks if the zo- if it's zombies or ghosts, and Buffy says, "I'm not sure. They were in the mirror, but they were disappeared. They touched me. I think. Let's just start with dead and pissed." Xander says, "Were they after you personally?" And Buffy's like, "They talked about protecting people. Told me to leave." Xander's like, "No damage though," and Buffy's like, "May may have destroyed." Don's social life in all of 30 seconds but apart from that no <laughs> i love how they're not concerned about that um and xander says being pop- popular isn't so great or so i've read in books and buffy says this isn't a coincidence the school being rebuilt it has to mean something xander asks what cut to a guy sitting beside don in class he asks to borrow a pencil now don reaches into a very organized pencil bag oh <gasps> That took me back, Kara. Remember those? Oh my god! I do. Keeping all and my pencil, pencil crayons. Every oh. year, I'd buy a new pencil kit. Oh, um, I loved back to school shopping back to school at Staples. Shopping. Well, Ooh. don't worry, Steph. In a couple more years, you're gonna have oh. a lot of back to school shopping. Oh, but I'm gonna take on my father's role, where I'll be like, "Can't you use the pencil crayons you bought last year, which are only half used, except for the black and no, red?" No, you need new pencil crayons every year. Absolutely not. And if I don't have new felt pen markers, fuck you. Is what I'm gonna hear back. But it's gonna be so true. It's like, no, you still have perfectly good stuff that you didn't use all of last year. Uh uh-uh. uh. New shit for my kid. You're going to spoil your kid. Come on. Oh, I'll be like insisting she gets new stuff. So Don hands the pencil to this guy and he's a zombie. And he said, thanks a lot. And he stabs her in the eye with it. And Don screams and falls to the floor. (gasps) He's gone. Nothing happened. And the class is watching her. The teacher's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, uh, there was a bee in my eye. I'm very allergic. (laughs) Can I go to the bathroom? And she leaves. And a guy in the class says, I guess it runs in the family. So I actually think this is a pretty good lie. Yes, thank you. I, You know, seven seasons into this show, you and I are pretty much in sync with our observations and our jokes at this point. Yeah, we're one person now. <laughs> We've become one. I love this. <laughs> it's happening. That's what I was going to say is please compare Don's lie to Buffy's lie from a couple scenes ago where she's like, I thought you're in danger of smoking. Um <laughs> This is not new, right? We've always known Buffy is a terrible liar. Dawn's actually a really good liar. And this is evidence of it. Like that is a decent lie. I would believe that. Yeah, that was pretty good. It also calls back to the movie Ever After with Drew Barrymore. You ever seen that movie? No. The one, <laughs> the one girl in that movie, the stepsister, she has like a right tantrum at one point. She like is stomping around. The queen's like, are you okay? And she's like, it was a bee. <laughs> so that let that be a lesson to you, everybody. If something happens and you do something really weird, just say it was a bee. So let's cut to the bathroom, okay? Dawn goes there. She sits and collects herself, but then she hears a girl sobbing. So she checks under the stalls, but there's no feet showing. Could it be a ghost? Buffy is still in the hallway. She runs into Principal Wood in the hallway, and he says, I didn't know you were still about. In general, it's customary for a person who's graduated to, um, you know, go somewhere else. <laughs> Oh, Principal Wood, you need to come over to my house. So Buffy says, it's a new campus, just getting to know it, making sure it's safe for my sister. Dawn is checking the stalls and she finds a girl sitting on a toilet crying. She's saying there's someone in here. And Dawn's like, it's only me. The girl says, no, it's not. Principal Wood is talking to Buffy, says, I have to be honest. I actually know more about you than I let on before. And Buffy says, isn't that interesting? Because Buffy has been through this before and she will not be fooled again. He says, no, it really is. I also want to just point out, I really like the steady cam 
uh, filming of this sequence between Buffy and Principal Wood, where it's just going around in a circle as they're talking. Mm. Um, and I, I would guess, I'm not a cinematography student by any means, but I would guess one of the reasons they chose to do this, other than the fact that it just looks really cool, is it doesn't privilege either person's perspective in this scene even in the way that kind of cutting back and forth to over the shoulder shots would privilege it. Um, it's really allowing us to, it's the, literally a 360 view of both of these characters as they're verbally sparring. And I think that's very fascinating. Yeah. And I think also in the scene uh, where we might be looking at principal wood as a threat He's definitely shady. Like, like there's something going on here. Something's happening with this guy, but like, like you're saying, this camera angle isn't actually giving it ominous enough. You know, it's like, what's going on? Um, and I, this actually calls me back to when we covered Lie to Me in season two, because remember they did the same thing, this this camera angle um, circles around Ford and Buffy. And I called it this a circle of lies, I think I called it, because it's just interesting how they choose to to film a conversation like this where it's like, who has the power? Who has the upper hand in this combo? Dawn is coaxing the girl to leave with her. Um, she introduces herself as Kit. As they're leaving, zombies appear in the mirror and a light explodes and they're screaming. And as they're running for the door, hands come up out of the floor to grab them and the floor caves in and they fall down below. But they're okay. But they're fine. <laughs> so Willow is being held by Giles in Westbury, England, as Giles uh, is telling her, you know, breathe, breathe. And she, like, she's coming out of a trance or something. Um, he, he asks her if she remembers what, what happened. Willow says, we were talking and I felt the earth. It's all connected. It is, but it's not all good and pure and rootsy. There's a deep, deep black. I saw the earth, Giles. I saw its teeth. Giles says, the hell mouth. Willow says, it's going to open. It's going to swallow us all. <gasps> so Willow is a psychic now. <laughs> the, the magic with a K are allowing her the ability to see into the future or I guess like feel the ominous. And wave. what she's seeing is three high school students in her hometown being swallowed. Oh, you. Oh, is that what she saw? You thought you saw Dawn? Oh, yeah. I think, that, that I think that she's sensing the, the Hellmouth opening underneath Sunnydale High. Oh, interesting. I thought she was just kind of like, damn, things are getting dark. Just like what Halfrek is saying, like, oh, things are things are rumbling down there. So Kit is waking up. As we said, they're not hurt. It's a miracle. They've got Xander's ability to stay alive. Well, she she also then wakes up Don, who clearly got knocked out. So my question is, do we have to restart our concussion counter? <laughs> Maybe. First concussion of the season. There it is. We already had a flippy do. Here's our first concussion. Uh, we saw a horsey. Lots, lots going on here. For a second there, because they're in the they like earlier. Xander says there's no weird tunnels, you know, in this school. Um, I'm like, did they fall into the bizarre tunnel <laughs> from season two? Like, is that where they are? Anyway, they go looking for a staircase. Robin Wood is saying that the school board recommended he read Buffy's record. It's a quick, it's a, it's a quite a page turner, kind of a checkered past. Buffy says more like plaid, kind of a clan tartan of badness, really. But there were factors. Now, I think it's so funny that the school board is like, read this file. Like, she, this girl's not a student. She graduated years ago. But you got to read it because it is fascinating stuff. <laughs> um, Dawn is asking Kit 
uh, what she saw and Kit is saying that it was a girl that she said she died here and everybody dies here and we would too. And Don says, um, and here I was worried about fitting in. And then they scream because the basketball boy from earlier runs into them and they're like, are you dead? He's like, no, I'm not dead. He says, I, I came down here for a smoke because I'm a bad boy. And the janitor was yelling at him, but then he saw him in the light and obviously it was a zombie. So he ran away like a girl. And I was like, oh, okay, so mm. here's the Xander of the trio, right? <laughs> he's he's joined. Kit, Kit is clearly Willow. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Willow, it hurts. <laughs> So that's when the janitor approaches them saying, you think you can just run away? And Kit says, it's not real. Don says, lesson one, it's always real. Because Don listens to Buffy's lectures, as we all should. Uh, The zombie from the class comes up and says, I tried to run too. And then the dead girl says, I tried to scream. It doesn't matter how much you scream. Nobody's going to hear you. And Don says, hear me right. I got a present. And Kit says, what is it? And Don pulls out her phone, a new cell phone. And she says, a weapon. So Kara earlier said there are two important characters that are introduced in this episode. The first one would be sexy principal Robin Wood. The second one would be the cell phone. Oh my God. We finally have a cell phone on the show. It's going to make everything way easier. (laughs) I would love to hear from some of our younger listeners who don't really remember a world without cell phones. Because it must be so wild watching all of this older media and thinking like, why don't they just pull out their phone? Why don't they just text somebody? Like, why isn't this happening, right? Like, the world was so different before you had the ability to call or even just text somebody. And I know we had beepers in season four. Remember that, right? <laughs> yep. Um, but in general, you know, Buffy, yeah, has been a phoneless show up until this point with a couple of exceptions. And it's so fascinating to me the way that new media always has to either work around cell phones or if they're clever they bring they work cell phones into their plots these days which i think is interesting i was watching the movie happiest season with kristen stewart over the holiday and i really liked how cell phones were used in that story just kind of the way that they were integrated into the plot and it was very believable anyway that's neither here nor there (laughs) i agree it's impressive that cell phones are finally in the buffy verse in a big way (laughs) i just i'm always shot back i believe it was in season five blood ties when dawn runs away because she finds out she's the key after setting her room on fire (laughs) good times um anyway remember all the scoobies are like let's go look for her you go to that playground we'll go to this playground you go here and then somehow they're all like we'll just meet up in like like you and i were literally like what are the logistics here so a cell phone being introduced to the scooby gang is gonna make a world of difference Robin is saying, it's clear your sister looks up to you, which I think is great. And Buffy's like, "Uh, no, she is much, much worse than me. Troublemaker. Expulsion is the only way to go. Or you could suspend her for three years. And Robin just laughs. And he's like, why don't we give her a chance first? Buffy's phone rings, right? And she's like, boy, that's loud. (laughs) And Robin says, that's why we don't allow cell phones here. But Buffy's like, excuse me. And she answers it. And Robin kind of smiles at that because he obviously thinks Buffy's so cute. Buffy has had a cell phone for like three minutes and she's already acting like millennials. Like, sh- 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 shut up, shut up. I need to answer this this phone. Uh, oh, no. Millennials would never answer the phone. We would just... <laughs> this, this, this is true. Yeah. It would be TikTok. But yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, so she says, sorry, my, my dog, a, a dog walker. And then she's talking to Dawn. She's like, three dead? And Robin's like, oh, my God. And Bobby's like, I'll be right there. And Robin's like, your dogs are dead? 
<laughs> this so is funny. genuinely the funniest part of this episode. It's <laughs> so good. Buffy is a terrible liar. She's <laughs> not smooth at all. She never has been. <laughs> but also, just thinking about it from one's point of view, it, it like it legitimately this could happen right is somebody's dog walker could call them and be like yeah all three of your dogs are dead and it's like <laughs> like what do you do with that you're standing there or somebody's getting this call oh my and god the way that the way that db woodside plays the scene right he's just he's so like taken aback and kind of like what do i do here it's so good like this is buffy the vampire slayer at the height of its humorous power right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> buffy's so funny too just just the lie itself is so funny so dawn is saying uh, uh this is so cute too because dawn before she hangs up because like obviously they're in danger but dawn takes the time to say and buffy isn't this reception amazing i'm in the freaking basement <laughs> so cute i Priorities. love it I love it. Buffy's like, okay, sorry. Um, she's like, sorry, and she leaves. And Robin just shouts after her, like, good luck with that dog tragedy. <laughs> so Dawn's like, help is coming. The zombies are gone. Only one. But then one grabs Dawn by the neck. Buffy finds the hole in the bathroom floor, and she jumps down through it. <laughs> love how nonchalantly she does this. It's literally just like she looks she looks at it, and then she's like, mm, and she dives right in. I'm going to be honest. Buffy's been diving into holes since episode one. <laughs> Or episode two, I guess, this, right? Yes, this is true. And yeah. like, again, it's that return to form, right? Yes, yes. I love it. I love it. She she jumps to the ground. She's fine, right? Oh, I'm also taking back to uh, Bad Girls in season three when, remember, she jumped, like, Faith jumps down this hole and Buffy falls right after. I was like, won't you land on her, Buffy? Like, clearly you don't care. Um, anyway, she's calling for Dawn. She calls the cell again, but the dead janitor is there, and he says it's too late. Uh, you're always too late, aren't you? Sure as hell didn't save me. Buffy says, where's my sister? And he says, I think she's lost. And Buffy says, I'm the one you, who let you die. Why take it out on her? I'm right here. What are you after? Fear? Revenge? Tasty brains? <laughs> the other zombie comes and says, I think I'd like Dawn to be my girlfriend. Buffy says, again, wrong sister. I'm the one that dates dead guys. And no offense, but they were hotties. I'm sure you have a great personality. <laughs> I love that Buffy can laugh about it now, right? Like, remember all of her shame around Spike last season? And now she's just like... Yeah, she's so chill about it now. I've got two critiques to make here, Buffy. One is that you never dated Spike. You just boinked him a bunch of times, all right? You dated did date Angel, Angel for though. sure. You know, she dated Angel. That's that's correct. And Riley was dead on the inside. And Yes, yes. Um, also, Dawn did date a dead guy, Buffy. She dated that uh, vampire last season. <laughs> it's true. So, lest we forget. She was parking with him, and Buffy was not happy about yeah. it. Yeah, Buffy was like, oh, so you're parking with the guy you just met. <laughs> God, this show's funny. All right. So the, the girl zombie says, were you busy making out with your dead boyfriend when I was being ripped to, to death by a werewolf? <laughs> and I, my note here is maybe. <laughs> like maybe she was. Okay. Here's my critique of these zombies. Okay. I wish that they had used people who actually died in the previous seasons. Like I get that it's hard to like get bit players to come back and do those things. But like we never heard about a girl getting killed by a werewolf right we would have heard about that on the show but we do know that like 
in that episode, let's say Beauty and the Beast, when Oz thought that he escaped and killed somebody, ended up being Pete, uh, Debbie's boyfriend, who who murdered that guy. But like, couldn't it have been like him that came back and was like, you know, you didn't stop that? I just saying that that took a, that's a little critique from me. Is that like even the jan the janitor being dead? Like we know that that one janitor back in season two got. Uh, sent to jail I think <laughs> for killing another teacher like it could have been the teacher that was mad you know like I just wish the ghosts were were also flashes from the past that we had actually seen that would have been cool I agree it, it felt a little bit incongruous the way that you know clearly on a thematic level this is supposed to be talking about how Buffy couldn't save everybody and so many people died on her watch at Sunnydale High and I think it's a little bit out of place in this episode because everything else in this episode basically gets played for laughs, even this in a way, because Buffy is just so quippy with them. Mm -hmm. This could be a fascinating episode, but it, it doesn't quite land the way it, it, it does in, in this point. And I, I think that if they had brought back characters we had already seen meet their demise, like, like for example, um, in the puppet show, we had three murders <laughs> that episode. Mm -hmm. Like just, just that would have been the whole, that would have brought in the whole theme of like back to the beginning, right? Like I think just, it would have been worry. better. Don't loves me now. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, if we had seen Fritz or like, oh, those kids. Anyway, anyway, that, that's one critique of the episode. So Buffy is so sarcastic. She's like, hello, not making myself clear. I don't care how you died. I'm sorry for your loss, but where's my sister? <laughs> Um, she calls for Dawn and the zombies say she's not going to hear you. This place is like a maze. This place is ours, is, our, is ours now. It was built on our graves. All we want is for you to leave us to rest again. And Buffy says, actually, I'm thinking all you want is to get between me and that door. <laughs> and Buffy's like, here's for finding out why. Buffy starts shoving them out of the way and they fight her a bit. And suddenly she's back to where she was standing and they're in front of her again. So she says, okay, well, at first, if you don't succeed. And then she does a flippy-do right over top of them. <laughs> And tries to open the door. Love it. I love it so much. Uh, she's fighting them again. Um, but then who opens the door behind her? It's Ramen Noodle Head Spike. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, dear. Oh. You're not wrong. I'm okay. And that, that's a shout out to my, uh, our friend Leo over at Investigating Angel who, who pointed that out to me one time, long time ago, that it, it his hair does look like it's, ramen noodles. It's not good. I don't know like whose decision this was um, in terms of like, yeah, we want to show like the passage of time. I've always been unclear on whether vampires hair can grow. Um, clearly but it I can. Guess clear, clearly it can, yeah. Yes. Clearly Spike is in a bad way and he's not being taken care of himself, but why doesn't he have a beard? Yeah. If Angel can grow <sighs> a mustache, why doesn't Spike have a beard? Also, we know that um, Spike partakes in human food and he's been in this basement. Uh, we'll learn. Who knows how long, but clearly based on his hair, he's been here for a couple months. Xander's been bringing him Weetabix. <laughs> And and therefore, as we know, that Spike is one of the vampires who poos. <laughs> Wouldn't that basement just reek? <laughs> I don't want this to be what our podcast is known for. I also have a lot of questions as to why he's here. I mean, we have more of the season to go through to figure out how long he's been there, what's he been doing in the basement. But like, why? <laughs> why is he there? How long is the, the basement? The school is where here? you go to hide out, right? Like it's season four. That's where Riley was hiding out. It's just the place to be. But like the, the building was under construction. So how long has the basement actually been constructed? Again, for? again Xander took care <laughs> of him. 
This school was built in two months. <laughs> in that two months, Spike found a home. Um, we'll we'll find out more. But anyway, yeah. So here's Spike. His roots are showing. His noodle hair is out and about, and he is looking crazed. And Buffy, she, you know, Buffy like takes it in, and she's like, "Spike, are you real?" And the thing is, is like we can we cannot forget the last time Buffy saw Spike. Okay, last time she saw him, he was leaving the bathroom where he tried to rape her. Okay, so this is a lot for Buffy to take in at once. I don't think she actually dedicates that much time to it because she's concerned for her sister. Again, just like her her adrenaline is up right now. Yeah, like she has other things to worry about. Her dogs are dead. Like, I kind of like this attitude right at the moment where like you asked me earlier, is Buffy attracted to Robin Wood? I'm like, I don't think she's thinking about that. I think she's literally like, I'm only caring about my sister, keeping my shit together, my family life, getting my life together from last year. I love that for Buffy. Like the fact that here is her abuser back in the flesh. She hasn't seen him in, let's say, like three or four months. And she's still just like, you're not my fucking priority. All right. Where's my sister? Where the fuck? So he like starts giggling and he's like, Buffy. And then he touches her. Ooh, he touches her face and he says, duck. And she says, there's a duck. <laughs> and then she gets hit by a pipe. Spike says, no visitors visitors today. Terribly busy. He's not helping her fight. Uh, the zombies start fighting with Buffy again. She closes the door on them. And then she's um, in the room with Spike. And he says, no one comes in here. It's just the three of us. So he says, three. Buffy mm. asks if he's seen Dawn. And he shouts, don't you think I'm trying? I'm not fast. I'm not a quick study. I dropped my board in the water. And then chalk all ran. And the chalk all ran. Sure to be caned. Should have seen that coming. So this is interesting dialogue, right? Because clearly Spike is out of his mind in some way. And it appears that he's reverting back to his older self, like maybe when he was a child in school, which is interesting. But let's pay attention to the fact that he said three of us in here, right? Him, Xander. (laughs) um, Yeah, I don't know who the third person is. Uh, Three of them in there, him, his hair, (laughs) and... (laughs) The toilet that he set up in the basement. So Buffy (laughs) approaches him and she notices cuts on his chest over his heart. She asks what he did. He says he tried to cut it out. So we know that Spike has his soul. Buffy has no idea. Buffy's cell phone rings. She answers it and she's like, Don, where are you? Don says, I don't know. In a room with a furnace, they dragged us in here and then they disappeared. What do they want? Buffy says, so far to piss me off. And Don says, please tell me it's working. Buffy says, oh, I'm damage bound. I just can't figure them. Ghosts can't touch you and zombies can't disappear. I love that phrase, damage bound. Love it. Buffy's just so cool in this episode. I love season seven Buffy so far. <laughs> it's been it's been 40 mi- 30 minutes. I fucking love her. I mean, I love every season, Buffy, but like, this is great. Spike says, not ghosts behind her. And she's like, what are they? And he says, manifested spirits controlled by a talisman raised to, raised to seek vengeance. A four-year-old could figure it. And Buffy tells Dawn to hold on tight. She'll find them. These things can hurt you, which means you can hurt them. Find a weapon. I'll come for you. Buffy hangs up. She asks Spike if he's going to help. Spike says, this is my home. I belong here. Always been here. Cheers for stopping by. It's the walls. So Buffy says, I'll get back to you. And she goes, she's like, wow, I don't care. Uh, she leaves and she's like, we're dead, dead guys. Like, they're, but they're not there. So she's like, this can't be good. So she takes out her phone. She calls Xander. In the meantime, Dawn is getting weapons together with the kids and they put all these bricks in a bag, which is hilarious. Uh, it's classic. Kit asks if they're going to be coming back and that's when a zombie mocks her. The zombie is such a bitch. She's like, think they're going to come back? (laughs) 
She's like, we never left. We'll always be here just like you. Why do you think we picked you? The ones that no one would miss. The ones that don't belong. Spend all your time trying to get out of high school and now you'll never, ever leave. And Dawn hits her with a brick bag. <laughs> and then she gets punched in the face for it. And she screams. Buffy hears it and runs over. In the meantime, Xander enters the girl's bathroom and he sees the giant hole in the floor and he says, ooh, contracty goodness. <laughs> And I honestly love that quote, Cara, because it mm -hmm. takes me that's all the good. way back to Cordelia. You know, like that's mm -hmm. a Cordelia quote. We're going back to the yeah. beginning. We miss you, Cordy. And but then he's like, oh, tal talisman, talisman, because he's here to find one. <laughs> Meanwhile, the janitor zombie has Don by the hair and he says, you can thank your sister for this. And again, I feel like there's an inconsistent motivation for these zombie ghosts, right? It's like, so are you going after Dawn because she's the sister of the Slayer? Or are you going after Dawn because you think that she's like a nobody that nobody's going to miss, right? Like, it feels like the ghosts are basically just going with whatever reason makes the most sense in that moment. Yeah. Well, and we also don't know who left the talisman. So maybe they're I, just like... I was going to bring that up at the end of the episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we're supposed to think that Principal Wood made the talisman. Ah, because like if they got shoddy instructions from their leader... We can't really blame yeah. these zombies for not having a motive. I, I think the implication is that he left the talisman in the school. He's up to no good. <gasps> that sexy bad guy. But you're right. It is left open. It's left ambiguous. And so maybe that is, you know, and, and when we talk about the final scene of this episode, right? Like clearly there's something bigger happening right now. And, uh, you know, that's part of the mystery of this season is, is you know, where did this talisman come from and who's, who's behind all of this? So Buffy kicks the door in. And she kicks the zombie off of uh, Don, and she says, Don says, thanks, sis. Um, because literally, just a moment ago, the zombie was like, you can thank your sister for this. Love So that. Buffy says, we need to keep them at bay. And Buffy picks up the brick bag and uses it to fight off the three zombies. Uh, it is an awesome fight scene. You're correcting your notes, your staff. It's so good. Meanwhile, Xander is looking for the talisman, and he finds it. Uh, and, but the girl zombie jumps on his back. So Don throws Buffy a pipe and Buffy says, do you really want to keep this up? And the janitor zombie says, what are you going to do? Kill us. But that's when Xander snaps the talisman in half and all of the zombies dis... Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> that's when Xander snaps the talisman in half and all the zombies disappear. It's like a glitter. Like they don't like dust like vampires, but they kind of turn into like gold glitter. It's beautiful. They ascend it. Um, uh, it's the rapture for the zombies. And then Buffy <laughs> says, them. ah, the talisman must have been destroyed. Buffy's like really up on her talisman stuff these days. It's been seven years. Buffy knows her shit at this point. <laughs> Dawn asks. She's like, how do you know it was a talisman? And Buffy's like, there's always a talisman. And then she looks directly at the camera, camera and smiles. Um, and winks. No, she doesn't do that. But like, that's the kind of vibe of this episode, right? Is this episode is like, you've seen this all before, right? You've all, we've all been here. Welcome back to high school. Like, this is a Buffy episode. Well, also, can I unfortunately bring a little comparison between this situation and a situation she had with Angel recent, uh, before? Uh, she's clearly saying there's always a talisman because she doesn't want to tell Dawn that Spike told her. Uh, clearly, she's not. She's going to keep that to herself at the moment. She hasn't processed the fact that Spike is back and he's doing something weird in the basement. And this comparison I'm making to season three when she discovers Angel's back. 
in Beauty and the Beast. And she's also just like, I'm going to keep that to myself for a second, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so Buffy then adds, the real question is who put it there? And they go looking for the stairs. And Don says, you really weren't kidding about this place. I guess it hasn't changed. And Buffy says, I don't know. It seems smaller, <laughs> which is true. Speaking yeah. as, you know, somebody who went back to the high school that she attended as a student, as a teacher, it does seem smaller when you've graduated. So interesting that way. In the hallways, Buffy is telling the kids that they'll be okay. And the music that's playing is very like after school special. Mm -hmm. And she's like, school is intense, but you'll do all right as long as you're careful. And you may want to stick together. And Kit says, thank you. And she hugs Buffy. Carlos, I believe was the guy's name. Uh, and Carlos says, you are the coolest mom ever. <laughs> <laughs> and Buffy touches her hair self-consciously and Dawn's like getting all awkward. She's like, oh, oh, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, come on. We've still got a few more classes to live through. And she like kisses Buffy on the cheek and then like pulls them away. And that's when Principal Wood approaches. And he says, curiouser and curiouser. Carlos Trejo and Kit Holburn, possibly the only two students in this school whose files are as thick as yours was. And Buffy looks at him and says, you really did your homework, didn't you? And Robin says, I was looking for one or both of them to implode in a fearsome way right before midterms. But you've got them socializing, hugging, and if I'm not mistaken, heading to class. And Buffy gives a little smirk and she says, we shared an encounter. Um, and I, I like how Principal Wood is so chill with the fact that so first he he came up to her earlier and called basically called her out for skulking around the school, which is <laughs> yep. good. That's what a principal should do. But then, right, she ran away from him because her dogs were dead. And now he just he shows up. He's like, you know, no mention of the dogs, like nothing. <laughs> he's just rolling with it. Yeah. Uh, date this man, Buffy. <laughs> uh, Buffy, this is the one. Lock it down. <laughs> <laughs> he's asking you no questions you need this man in your life yeah um so principal wood says i gotta tell you miss summers i think you belong here and buffy says hmm -na? <laughs> and principal wood says i know this school's reputation you think i got this job based on seniority we got a lot of troubled students here and just enough money to keep this place from caving in and buffy says you may need a little extra there to keep up the whole in the girls' bathroom. So funny. Uh, and Robin says, uh, we have a community outreach program and the money we could pay you wouldn't even fold, but it would be just a couple of days a week. And Buffy's like, are you asking me to be a counselor? And she's, of course, having flashbacks to poor old Counselor Platt from season, what was it, three? Three, rest in peace. Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> we brought up that episode a couple times now. Well, and, you know, just to while we're on the, that the train, right? Uh, Principal Wood is the latest in a long line of occasional black characters, shall we say, in this show. The show does not have a good track record um, of black characters. We had Counselor Platt. We had Mr. Trick, of course, who had a bit more of a substantial role. Uh, we had Olivia in season four, who actually got out of the show live, unlike those first two black characters. As far as we know. Right. Um, it remains to be seen. What's going on with Principal Wood? You know, how big of a role will he play in this season? What will that role be like? Does he get killed off? Um, but Buffy, the vampire slayer of the series, you are on notice right now, right? You got to make sure we have some good, positive portrayals of non-white characters on this show. I like to add that in this scene, an Asian girl student walks by uh, before they you know, before, before the scene plays out. And I was like, that girl 
better stay indoors as soon as the sun sets because her number is up, you know? Agreed. Principal Wood dissuades Buffy from calling herself a counselor. He's like, we hold up. We've got a guidance counselor. You're not qualified to use that title. Um, but he's like, I was thinking the kids could use someone closer to their age who's still. And Buffy interrupts him and says, I'm in. Uh, and Principal Wood says, you serious? You did hear the part about the money, right? And Buffy says, yeah, I heard it. My schedule might be a little fantastic, but I'll work it out. I'd like to keep an eye on this place. And Principal Wood says, that's great. Look at that. Not even noon. And I've already bullied my first family member into helping out. I'm going to be the best principal ever. And then he leaves. And Buffy's a little bit unsure about everything. Um, once again, this guy, you know, barely knows Buffy Summers. And he's already like, yeah, I'm just going to offer you a job. He's like, I'm going to be the sexiest principal ever. And he's absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> okay. This, you need a glass of water, Steph? The, I've been waiting to thirst over something for the last couple of se uh, seasons. And here it is. Uh, this is where I wanted to bring up, like earlier we were chirping on, on Xander for just walking into a job because of his white privilege. Um, dare we say that something similar is happening with Buffy here. I don't want to say that, though, because Buffy, number one, is incredibly qualified to be a counselor to kill she children. She is qualified for this job. He did read her file, right? Yes. Like, he thought about her as the candidate. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying Xander's job circumstances are due to privilege. I just, I think that the speed of his advancement in this series <laughs> is very much like... We're not supposed to question it, right? Because that's the life of a white man. I also want to say the life of a white man in construction sometimes does go that way. Like I, I have you would know. literally witnessed skyrocketed careers yeah. for some, for some, and you know, I'm not going to name names, but I'm just saying like, does he Josh. deserve it? <laughs> Fucking Josh. Um, yeah. So, so I do agree. I think Buffy deserves this role. But also, we're we're saying that Principal Wood might be fucking sketchy, so he might have different reasons for wanting Buffy nearby a couple days a week for little money. That's the vibe I think we're yeah. supposed to get. Yeah. So, okay, the last scene of the episode is Spike hunched over in his basement taking a dump. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, sorry. Oh. But I only have twenty-two episodes left to talk about vampire. Twenty-one vowels. So presumably he's talking to himself. He's saying everything is, I had a speech, learned it all. Oh God, she won't understand. But he's not talking to himself, Kara. Warren is there and he's got a skin on. <laughs> and he says, of course she won't understand, Sparky. I'm beyond her understanding. She's a girl with sugar and spice and everything useless, unless you're baking. I'm more than that, more than flesh. Uh, we miss you, Warren. Just kidding. Fuck you. Uh, suddenly, Warren morphs into Glory. It's so nice to see Glory. By the way, I just, you know, I love this scene, Kara. This scene is so good. Oh, th this scene is a pinnacle achievement of storytelling. We could talk about it in a moment. Let's get through yeah, sorry, what's going on, and then I want to talk about it. I was like, I just I want to talk about it right now. Okay, so Glory's there. Glory says, more than blood. You know, I honestly don't think there's a human word fabulous enough for me. Oh, my name will be on everyone's lips, assuming their lips won't, haven't been torn off. But not just yet. That's all right, though. And then she morphs into Adam. Uh, from season four and adam says 
I can be patient. Everything is well within parameters. She's exactly what I want her, where I want her. And so were you, number 17. You're right where you belong. And then now he's morphed into the mayor. And I will add that this made me laugh because Spike doesn't know who the mayor is. <laughs> uh, anyway, the mayor says, you think you got your soul back and everything would be Jim Dandy? A soul slipperier than a greased weasel winding a soul mine. Well, you probably thought you'd be your own man with... And I respect that, but you never will. Then he morphs into Drusilla, who says, you'll always be mine and you'll always be in the dark with me, singing our little songs. You like our little songs, don't you? You've always liked them right from the beginning. And that's where we're going. And then she morphs into the master. And the master says, right back to the beginning, not the bang, not the word, the true beginning. The next few months are going to be quite a ride. And I think we're all going to learn something about ourselves in the process. You'll learn you're a pathetic schmuck if that hasn't sunk in already. Look at you trying to do what's right, just like her. You still don't get it. It's not about right, not about wrong. Suddenly, he's Buffy and Buffy says it's about power and we fade to black wow look at all the baddies look at all the baddies if an episode could cause me to orgasm stuff (laughs) this is the one not the bite sex episodes (laughs) surprisingly no if a premiere episode were to cause us orgasms this this was but what I messaged staff after watching this episode was I feel like this is how one feels having really good sex after having had a lot of really bad sex. <laughs> Can That's confirm. how I feel. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, so much to talk about here. First off, that line, the very last line of this episode as this Buffy hallucination, we can say, Buffy figment, says it's about power. That is the first line that Buffy says in this episode. So I got chills. Because I love the the circular nature of it. Also, did you notice how this uh, entity was morphing through different villains, big bads from previous seasons in reverse order? Counting down. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And what they said, like everything, like each thing they said was a double entendre. So it was relevant to, you know, making you know, building up the season, what's happening, but also like Warren's like, I'm more than flesh, right? He got flayed. Mm -hmm. Glory's, you know, glory, typically, she says more than blood, right? Dawn's blood, Summer's blood is what she, what glory needed. Mm -hmm. Adam's like, she's exactly where I want her. That's what he thought when he brought the Slayer into the initiative. So like each big bad's dialogue is a callback to what that big bad was like and what they did and how they tried to deal with Buffy. And I th- I think that's like the, the amount of sophistication in the writing of this scene, plus just a shout out to the fact that they brought back all of these different actors for one scene and like not even a whole scene, right? But literally just a couple of lines, like the, the actor who played Adam had to get made up <laughs> just just to deliver a couple of those lines you know and i i i love that um and i i have no behind the scenes knowledge about that but like the fact that they did that like the, the the scene would not have worked if they couldn't get all of those characters back 
Yeah, no, no, I agree. It, it's such an achievement. And like, that's kind of why I was calling back to the zombies. It's like, why couldn't those have also been, uh, it wouldn't have been as impactful, but like it would have went along with this theme that we knew was coming at the end of the episode where they brought back mm-hmm. all of these really prominent characters from the previous seasons. And then they, they backtracked, right? Starting from season six, all the way to season one. It's so satisfying to watch. If you've watched the last six years, it's an achievement. Yes. It's a treat. It's, like, it's fan service. Yeah. It's look how far we've come as a show, right? Yeah. I yeah. love when shows that have been on as long as a show like Buffy at this point can look back and be like, look at all the villains we've fought, right? Like, I've said this before, but one of my favorite things about Stargate SG-1 as a TV series is that by the time you get to like season seven and eight and beyond, the show is so self-referential and it's so just like, yeah, we've been here. We've saved the world before. Like we've done this and like making fun of itself. And it's the same with Buffy. But in this moment, the show's not making fun of itself. The show is reminding us that Buffy started as a 15-year-old girl slaying vampires And her first real villain in this series was the master. You know, this podcast is named after Prophecy Girl. And I still remember to this day the conversation that you and I had, Steph, around that episode and how scared Buffy was going to her death. And what a powerful episode that still is all of these years later. You know, you talked about the episode being called Roots, and I love that alternative title. The show is taking us back to its roots in this moment. I think this might be a perfect season premiere. Ooh, one of the best ones? Your favorite one? Yes. Well, firstly, we don't have as much of the doom and gloom Buffy that we normally do, right? Like, usually Buffy's off her groove at the start of the season. It takes her the whole episode to get it back. And that's not really the case here. So I like that. But also, like, they know this is the final season. And they're going into it. And I I I think the way they're counting down these big bads, and clearly they're introducing something big here. Like, it's... It's so fulfilling. I'm ready. I'm ready to go into this. And having Buffy start off strong, right? Because before, like you're saying, she's always a little bit off in the season premieres. And it's like, okay, so she's got to find her groove as the season goes on. Buffy's in her groove. Buffy is solid right now. So what's going to happen that's going to shake her this season around? Um, I really loved how you brought up that her first line was about um, it's about power. And then the last line is it's about power and it's her saying it, but we know it's not her. And we don't know what this is. Obviously it's evil. You've already said like, per, like that's the big bad of the season perhaps, but I love the fact that both Buffy, our hero and the potential big bad of the season are saying the exact same thing, exactly the same amount of confidence. Right. So like there's, there's like just definitely that good versus evil starting up in this one episode, which is what you want your premiere to do. It's setting everything up. I also think that it is safe to say that this could be the first. The first we met in season three amends. And the only reason I say, could this be the first is because this entity did something very similar to Angel in that episode where they were whispering, they're shifting bodies of like um, different, appearing as different dead people to him slowly driving him insane in that episode. So this a very similar thing happening here. So I, I don't think it's out of line to say that could this be the first finally popping up again, just because we've seen it before. That's quite a callback too. <laughs> All the way back <laughs> to season three. Yeah. Wow. But I agree with you. This is, I, I mean, I haven't felt this invigorated by a season premiere in a very long time. Buffy versus Dracula was a lot of fun. But it didn't give me this like spurge of energy that this one is giving me. This is like a great startup. 
in my opinion. So so who's your hero, Kara? I am going to say that my hero is Buffy and Don. I think the Summers sisters together carry this episode. From the very beginning, when they're training together, they work together. You know, Dawn actually trusts Buffy. She calls Buffy using her cell phone, but then she she doesn't wait around for Buffy to rescue her. She's actually like formulating a plan. So I want to give Dawn credit, but also like Buffy did a lot of flip-de-doos. Buffy flip-de-dooed it up. Uh, I agree with you. And dare I say, I give a shout out to Xander for actually destroying the talisman for showing that he's grown and believes Buffy when she says something's wrong for picking the girls up. Like he's got his shit together. That's, that's good for him. I also want to say that my hero of the episode is the cell phone because we've been waiting for the cell phone to arrive and really came in handy. And we hope to see it again soon. (laughs) All right. First hot stake for season seven uh, is about grave and it comes from Olivia. And Olivia says, the music played at the end of Grave is an arrangement of St. Francis' prayer. There's a part of the song that applies pretty well to most of season six. And she included a quote, God grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Olivia says, I feel like that pretty effectively sums up so many of the characters' dilemmas as people tend to do. They're so wrapped up in their own situations. They don't notice the pain their loved ones are in. And when they do realize, they don't know how to help. They are all in need of consolation, love, and forgiveness to some degree, but they can't accept it for themselves. And they don't know how to offer it to others. Interesting. Thank you for making that connection for us, Olivia. Yeah, thanks, Olivia. Uh, Our next hot take is from Kelvin, who wants to write in about Spike's soul from the episode Grave. He says, well, I agree the portrayal of Spike wanting his soul isn't great. I never thought he was going to get his chip out because that wouldn't actually change anything. Spike could already hurt Buffy with the chip. Removing the chip wouldn't let him hurt her more. Sure, he could hurt her friends, but that has never been Spike's MO. That was Angelus's. Therefore, a soul is the only thing Spike could be asking for here. And I interpreted the overblown aggression to to it being a heavy-handed attempt at misdirection like it was. So that's that's him speaking to you and I bitching that that was a terrible... It was terrible. I stand by that observation, but I I see where you're coming from, Kelvin. And that's the problem, right? Is it was, it was terrible. And yeah, it doesn't really hold up when you think about it. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know like what the writers were trying to do there, what they thought they were going to get away with. It's it's so silly. The end of season six was silly. Okay. (laughs) Season six was a silly season. This was a silly place. Um, (laughs) We also have two new Buy Me A Coffee supporters to thank. Thank you, Sveeple, for supporting us. Uh, And also, we have a new chosen one in Kimmy. Uh, They say, I've been a listener since 2021. All I wanted for Christmas this year was to donate and be a chosen one. And uh, so they got their wish. Shout out. Kimmy says, I started watching Buffy because my dad was a Whedon fan, and I loved it when I was in high school and started struggling with my bipolar disorder I used to Buffy binge as we had all seven seasons on DVD at that point. 
Now that I'm a month away from 30, I can confidently say I've seen the whole series over a dozen times. Wow. And they say, I even got my husband to watch it this year because of your podcast, and he loved it. My favorite characters are Tara and Glory. This past rewatch, I realized that season five is my absolute favorite. It's so cohesive. My favorite episodes are probably Once More with Feeling, Restless, Checkpoint, Buffy was such a star here, and Fear Itself. So excited to be here and be supporting you. Thank you, Kimmy. Thanks, Kimmy. Speaking of over the holidays, Cara, you and I promised last season that we would start bringing up the merch in every episode that we possibly could. We forgot. This oh episode. yeah, we're going to do a completely organic plug. I forgot. I'm sorry. Yeah, my organic plug here is more just like, well, you know what else would have been a really nice Christmas gift is if you gave somebody some Prophecy Girls merch. <laughs> I know some Absolutely. of you did. That's great. Yeah. Prophecygirls.ca slash store. Um, <laughs> we will do better. You. We will do we better. Gotta re- yeah, we got to work yeah. that into the episode each time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, where could we have put it into the episode this time around? Uh, when you were talking about the Argyle sweater. <laughs> yes. Or when... Buffy gave Don a gift, right? And we could have oh, been like, ooh, what's in the box? Is God. it a Xander Slander bug? So many parts of it. Like, I could have been like, oh, God, like, Robin Wood is so fucking hot. He would have been even more hot were he wearing a praise Moloch hat. hat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. A praise Moloch tote bag on his arm. Can you imagine if just every scene of this episode he's wearing a different hat? No, don't cover up that head, honey. Whew. Whew. Wow, what a season beginner. I'm excited. Oh my God. Okay. Um, finally, of course, thank you to all of our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, Susanna, Jasmine, Christy, Kimmy. Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, Rochelle, and Laura. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. You can also visit prophecygirls.ca slash store to view all of our merch and rep the podcast on a sweatshirt, mug, sticker, or more. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch. See you next week. 